We may not even be ready for these things because if it's given to us tomorrow that we're begging for it and we're not ready for it, we're going to tarnish it all. It's about surrendering, knowing that you want that, but surrendering it, but just living day by day and just in, in installing the skills that you need. So when it does come, you end up being ready. You're listening to the Gangstar Creative Podcast, where we talk and share real strategies, real tactics, and real stories from me and my badass guests to help Gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life. And I'm your host, Ivana. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. Are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? If so, let's get it. What up, Gangstars? It's your girl, Devana, and this week's Gangstar Creative is Ade Sanusi. At the start of 2014, Ade created a pioneering platform that celebrated the next generation of creative talents called Art Meets Culture. The platform is a -a one-of-a-kind experience designed to celebrate, promote, and develop artists and musicians. Tapping into the importance of social media and the artist community, this unique event allowed music and art enthusiasts to come together and share their experiences with a specifically tailored social media campaign for each show. With over 22 events curated since 2014, they have now expanded the brand into an art-driven communications platform. The goal is to continue to develop the platform that champions artists and be the absolute best at what they do. I had a lot of fun chatting with Ade because he's all the way on the other side in London and he has a really cool interesting backstory of how he got into creating Art Meets Culture um, with just a plethora of experience in a lot of, um, I don't want to give too much away, but just a little bit of different industries and just meshing all his skills together to create this awesome project. So I'm excited to just jump in and dive right on into this episode. All right, gang stars, I have an amazing guest for this week's episode, all the way from London. Ade, thank you so much for joining me and being on the podcast and um, being down to kind of share your journey and your story. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, Like all my other episodes, I would love for you to just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself. Take us on a journey of where you started and where you are today. Wow. So, um, my name is Ade Sanusi. I'm from London, uh, from a borough called Hackney, um, the best borough in the world. <laughs> I like to play. <laughs> out um, so I am the founder of the platform Art Meets Culture, which is an events and media company. Um, I've been doing that for six years, um, and that started in 2014. Um, just literally whilst I was learning my trades in the music industry. Um, so yeah, I kicked off that brand um, just for the love and passion for artists and, you know, just seeing how they drew, how they drew, um, their techniques, their styles, the stories that they had as well. And I really wanted to put them in a space, um, where they wasn't really getting much in like bigger galleries that like your Tate Moderns or your Tate Britons or anything like that. I wanted to put them in a cool little space where they can showcase their art, meet new people and, um, you know, connect with different audiences. Wow. I mean, I think it's always cool when people can bring creatives together and, you know, create a space for people to showcase their work. Now, are you what are you an artist yourself? Like, what's your type of work that you like to specialize in? Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of things that people don't know about me. I'm a I'm a freelance social media manager. So I help people with, um, you know, social media strategy. I work with, a, you know, an artist called Jelani. 
and I consult for a brand called My Airfro. So I do that uh, on a full-time basis. Freelance, which I'm happy about because I get to, you know, do myself, do that, do the art meets culture stuff on a day-to-day. But being an artist, I've never been one. I've imagined being one. Um, so I kind of live vicariously through each artist that I work with, oh, admiring cool. their work and having conversations with them just to know, like, why did you draw that piece? Like, why did you pick those colors? Why did you use this subject? And literally try and figure it out when I do come to the exhibitions or when they exhibit at my shows. I literally just have like hours of conversations about one piece with them and just kind of see, you know, how they think and you know that's what you know attracted me to artists so I live vicariously through artists as a as a creative that's so awesome so a lover of the arts creating a space for creatives and artists um but I would say that social media management is a creative field too so I wouldn't sell yourself too short there um Uh, you know (laughs) yeah I kind of keep that quiet because I've probably you know, probably want to push my brand much further, but I think, you know, it's, it's good to have those creative skills. Cause I know I work with a lot of businesses and talk to a lot of businesses and their minds are just on, look, we're trying to sell our product or we're trying to sell our music. And I don't really have time for this social media thing. Can you help us with a strategy or, you know, mm-hmm. manage it on a day to day? So those are the sort of things, you know, that, you know, keep it going for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is it more um, like content strategy and creation or just a strategy or do you do ads? Like what part of the social media um, management content strategy um, ads, if they want to go into it um, and also just management on the day to day, because they will get like loads of DMS, loads of requests. We might have some um, external content that comes in, whether it be like, oh, they're going to be featured in a, an article, they did a photo shoot, we'll get that on, spread it across all social medias and just literally see how m- many organic engagements we can get in um, first, you know, and then when it's time for a launch or product or a single, then we start keying in ads. Gotcha. Very cool. So a lot of that stuff um, that you get to take over and apply it to building and promoting art meets culture. Yeah, I mean, it, I kind of did it backwards in a sense because social media was never a thing that I did because like my, my whole career is pretty much, I probably tried about 100 things before I got here. Um, <laughs> but I, I built social, not social, that's my other former brand. I built Art Meets Culture um, over six years and just reached 10K now. And people were just intrigued. How did you get there? How did you build this platform? What did you do? What were the strategies? And literally from there, it just opened some new doors for me on the social media front. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to definitely tap into that side of it um, in a little bit, but I want to still take it a step back to you and your experience as I saw in the questionnaire that you filled out that you used to be an intern at Universal Music and you yeah. used to also work at Complex Media, which is yeah. both really awesome. Um, yeah. So I applaud you for being able to land those opportunities. So I'm sure that's really intrigued the ears of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to ask you, you know, first, how did you become an intern at a place like Universal Music? <laughs> what was that journey like? It's... It's such a it's such an intriguing yet crazy story. Um, but I'm happy you've given me the time to even you know talk about it because I usually brush past that very quickly. Um, so it was the second year of university. Um, I think it'll be college in your years, and 
um, I was studying a media studies course. Um, it was just media studies. It wasn't like media or communication. It was just media. And I was actually asking them like, what do I get with this degree? Like, where do I go? And they were like, really and truly, I don't think you'll get much with this degree. And I was just literally thrown off by that. I was just like, what's the, what's the point of me being here? I need to figure out what, you know, my life is going to be like. How long so, ago was this or what year was this? This was 2008. Yeah, 2008. Okay. Yeah, 2008. So um, uh, obviously I have um, Nigerian parents and, you know, education is key <laughs> for oh, yeah. every Nigerian possible. So for, for me to tell them, mom, dad, I'm going to take a year out was probably the most daunting thing ever. But <laughs> I confidently did it, but I did it with, oh, don't worry, I'm going to be a, a video director. Um, just trying to, basically I was buying myself enough time to figure it out until I figured it out. So I told them I'm going to be a, a video director. Don't worry. So they they um, bought me a camera saying, oh, yeah, use this camera. You know, this could be your first camera to use it. So oh, that's was, cool that they were supportive in that. Yeah. So they were supportive in that. And then um, one of my friends from school, um, they were like, oh, my sister, um, she works for university. She's the HR there. I was like, OK, cool. And these times I didn't really have like a, a up-to-date CV. My CV was just um, resume, um, you, what you guys called it, was rubbish, <laughs> trash. Um, <laughs> so I'd sent it like that. And then she was like, you're not going to get a job at Universal like this. You need, um, one, you need a degree. Two, you need to have some music experience. And I was just thinking in my head, oh crap, I'll just go go back to university and then deal with it like that. But luckily um, the HR lady, um, emailed me back and she said, oh, there's this um, program called uh, Music for Good. They do interns at Universal Music, Sony, uh, Warner Brothers, um, so you can apply and see what they say. So I applied. Um, the guy got back to me, he said, we don't accept university students because I still had my university um, there that I was studying. I said, no, 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 I've dropped out. <laughs> I'm not university no more. And he was like, cool, come on in. So it was like... Um, 60, 60, um, uh, what I call them competitors, no, what, how was you? 60 people who applied. Um, and they, um, we, we were split up in within two weeks. So it was like, was this? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Two weeks. So 30 on one and 30 on another, but there was only 15 places, um, for these jobs. So we literally had to do three days of pitching, what will we do? How do we pitch this brand to a label? How do we market an artist? And I was just literally just using all my marketing skills at the time. I had a laptop. I even edit out, edited a video for a label called Parlophone and just showcased to them that this is how I would promote Duracell and Parlophone together. And the guy was just so intrigued. He was like, I'm just pointing you through. Like, this is amazing. So, oh, wow. Um, so it was, it was myself and four others up for the universal, the universal job, but there was this one guy, he, he's had music experience everywhere. And I was like, I'm going to try my best, but I don't know if, if I'm going to beat this guy <laughs> here to the job. <laughs> so uh, the main thing, um, the guy was Mark who was running the whole course. He was like, if you're late, it's going to go against you. I was literally 20 minutes early. But a guy who I thought was um, going to get the job was 20 minutes late. <laughs> so oh, it screwed his whole entire thing. Um, I went in there. I literally was just charming the pants of these HR guys. 
um, talking to them about my experience, what I would do with certain artists. And they were like amazing. And literally I got the internship from there. And that was like a, a nine month internship at Universal. And literally my journey just kicked off from there. Wow, that is truly amazing. And I always, you know, admire people that like, where you have to like battle in like kind of like a group interview style, you know, and like the fact that you got in um, obviously says a lot to your hustle and your grind and your um, willingness to prepare and like show up and kind of really create this opportunity for yourself. Because I feel like a lot of creatives, you know, some people have that in them, like they're naturally born with that, but sometimes it's a practice thing. And then sometimes people just feel like, you know, like super introverted, not like willing to put themselves out there, but it's kind of just shows like, if you really want something and you're under, like you're put under pressure, like you were in that sense, yeah. it's like you really gotta like, you know, use all the, the tools you have in your toolbox to really stand out and showcase your talents and your work and really also build those relationships with the people exactly. that matter, you know, the decision makers in those instances, because some people might be like quiet to themselves, but you're obviously being, you know, charismatic and, and charming yourself your way into yeah. kind of like their hearts. So yeah, I think that's, and I that's think, really cool. Um, you know, it's, uh, I never really thought about it. I'm only thinking about it now is just, I think, because I had no choice at the time, because it was just like, if I don't get anything, I go back home. And it's just like, mm. you'll get faced with the questions of what are you doing with your life? And I think I didn't want that in, in, in my, in my front. So I just said, you know what, let me just make sure I put all out for this. Dang. How, how long were you at that um, internship there? Yeah. So um, I was there for nine months and I think, well, honest story, like when it came to like the eighth and ninth month, I mean, I'm I'm obviously, you know, making coffees, meeting artists. <laughs> um, like, who did I meet? Uh, like, uh, they called me in to do the cash money party guest list and who should we invite? How do you organize this? Sourcing so many things. You end up meeting Rihanna. You end up meeting um, the baby, all these people. And it's just like, I'm in, I'm in dreamland. But it got to the eighth <laughs> month where me how i how i how i am how i am is because i love to create at all times i don't like the data driven bits it's like i need to be in a creative space i need my mind going i need my mind thinking mm-hmm. so i think they recognize recognize that and notice that but that's why they didn't keep me on at universal but i was networking with everybody on each floor so it'll be island records mercury records def jam and I will talk to every a and in there. I'll literally email them, book a meeting, let's have a conversation. That's good. So I, I met um, my my mentor, one of my mentors, uh, Reggie Kerr, who was working at Def Jam Music. He was there for like 10 years. And I just told him, look, I just want to learn off you and, you know, be the very best in this music game. And he said, cool. You know, he was running an independent label called Myish. And um, he was looking after a number of artists there. And he was just like, you know, come on board, you know, be my assistant and stuff like that. And I was just super excited because it's just like, yo, someone's taking me on board from this and I'm just not gonna um, be empty. This is this is my journey. This is music. This is what it's gonna be. So yeah, I, I hopped on towards, um, you know, Mayish music and I was there for four years. And that was like a... An, an amazing plus um uh how can i put it tough not tough 
well, but challenging, that's the word I was looking mm -hmm. for, challenging four years working there because you're working at an independent label, because, you know, resources are a little bit smaller. And, you know, when you, when you imagine certain things in a big way, you have to kind of scale it down all the time. So, you know, it just made you be a little bit more innovative in, in that space. But what happened during that time, I created two brands. One was Social Architects. Um, which was going to be doing brand partnerships. And the other was um, Art Meets Music, which is now Art Meets Culture. Um, so I birthed those two brands in at that time, which was 2014. Mm, gotcha. What was like, was there something that had happened that like sparked that? Or were you just like kind of building that idea in the back of your head, like day in, day out? And then it was just like, I'm just going to start this. Um, many things. I think... Like I, I love, I love the label to bits, but I think I just hit the wall with it. Um, you know, working with you know the same artists, the same routines, and nothing was innovative for me at the time. Do you know, I mean, they've changed now. They they're doing like sick stuff now, but at the time it was just like this doesn't fit my frequency anymore. And um, one of my other mentors, Didi, um, he said oh you know you like art I know you like a bit of art so come to this exhibition so it was a Mr Brainwash exhibition but he initially made me watch this um Banksy documentary um so I watched this Banksy documentary and that had Mr Brainwash in it and then Mr Brainwash had an exhibition <laughs> in London I went to the exhibition cool. and it was just these amazing art pieces that I've never seen in person. You know, you usually just see these things on the internet and you just imagine these things. And I'm seeing all these things in person. And he was just having a conversation with me. He was like, if you're gonna leave, you need to leave with something of your own. That's the key thing, have something of your own. And that was very big for me because it was just like, I needed to build something after I leave. I wasn't thinking about, oh, what type of job I was gonna have next. It was literally just, let me hop and hop on board onto something else and, you know, have something that, that stands for me rather than stands for others, if you know what I mean? Cause yeah. I can, and I can build a person's dream all I want, but eventually it's just like, is their dream. And what am I building for myself and my legacy? So those things came to, came to mind. Um, Instagram, you know, started, you know, showcasing its thing at the time and I was just seeing mm -hmm. these artists with loads of following so I was so intrigued so but people have 2,000 followers on this Instagram page when 2,000 followers were a thing <laughs> and I was just amazed it's like 2,000 followers that's amazing let's do something together and it was just so easy just to DM no I don't think DMs were available at the time I think it was just um, emails because people had their emails on there it was just so easy just to contact them let's do an exhibition and you know it just kicked off from there and I was just inspired by you know my younger life of the Pharrells of the world of the Kanye West of the world and the brands mm -hmm. that they've built and those things were always in my mind and, and triggered me to create something as cool as what I'm um, creating today that's so cool and where did um working at complex media fit into this yeah I mean <laughs> it's such a it's such a crazy job sounds like you were doing a lot and I'm like yeah because like, where does this fit in it's all insane. So, I mean, off the back of 2014, creating Art Meets Music, um, I was doing that for a number of years, um, but I was, again, not making any money. So it was just like, what do I do? So I got a job at the Ace Hotel. Um, have you heard of the Ace Hotel? 
Yes, I think we have the. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds we, familiar. Yeah, I think yeah, I think because we had a London base um, at the time. They've closed now due to COVID, which is sad. Um, but I picked. I literally just was so. I said I needed money at the time because it was just like I need to make money because I'm not making yeah. any money through this art meets music stuff. It's not making me any money as much as I'm doing exhibitions and helping people. My bills are shooting through the roof. So um, <laughs> I ran into Ace Hotel. I literally. They said they were recruiting and the woman was just finishing up. I was like, look, I need a job. She's like, what can you do? I said, look, I can be a waiter, simple as. They just called me in, put me on a trial. They said, oh, we like you. And then, you know, I was waiting there for like two and a half years, mm-hmm. um, which is, a, which, which Ace Hotel, amazing experience. Um, you know, that hotel, you would see everybody from Will Smith to Big Sean to Jaden Smith to, uh, I'm probably reading off names that are just off my mind but everybody was there literally That's everybody cool. and I was just I made sure I had my business card in hand oh I'm at a Sanusi take my card I do this whether they emailed me or whether they contacted me or whatever I even gave a pitch presentation to um, uh, I think it's John Wexler from Adidas as well um, mm. and literally pitched to him like let's let's collab let's do an Adidas collaboration and I know probably that was the most shittest pitch deck I've ever given <laughs> anyone. But in my brain, it was just like the audacity that I'm in this space and everybody's here. That was like my special place. Um, but again, you know, I, I hit the wall with that place because um, I don't want to wait for the rest of my life and do these four till three o'clock shifts every single night. And it was literally mm-hmm. just draining me. So one of my friends who... Um, who styled for a couple artists they were like oh, a company called Haddon PR is um you know hiring so I was like cool I'll go there pitch myself and you know they needed a brand partnerships division so um I pitched them some brand partnership ideas they had a brand called Nietzsche and there was a lady called Claire Fountain that I met at the Ace Hotel she does yoga for like LeBron James and everything like that and Nike so I was like look I can gift this lady who I've just met in the Ace Hotel can you send us some stuff and she'll do a yoga session if you fly her out? So they was like, yep. They gave me the money to fly her out, hire the um, space in Ace Hotel, done that. That was a hit. And literally the, the company wasn't paying me adequately. And I think they didn't want to extend the contract because they were just like, they weren't trying to pay anyone, um, not just mm. try and throw them under the bus, but they wasn't, you know, ethically good at the time. So I said, you know what, let me just do this use this experience and start pitching for any um, jobs that come up, come about. So then I saw a tweet uh, from Complex UK saying they were looking for a brand partnerships manager. And I was like, cool, let me email them. So I emailed them and, um, you know, they got back to me to say they wanted to do an interview, um, show them all my pitch decks, what I've done and how I've done it. And they were like, you're very unorthodox because you don't come from a traditional agency. You're just doing all this stuff by yourself um, with your own mind. And they were like, you know what, we'll hire you and, you know, we'll work out from there. So my journey at Complex, which was a short one, but it began, um, you know, shortly after I left Ace Hotel, left Haddon and, you know, began my my journey at Complex. Wow. This is such a very cool story because (laughs) I feel like you, yeah, you have such a, a journey that I feel like a lot of um, creative, especially like young people, um, like that are in college and even high school, like your journey is like a dream to them, you know, working at Universal Complex, getting to 
be so close to having all these different connections, you know, and yeah. kind of really building that. Um, but I feel like everything that you shared is a, like a true testament to, again, like your hustle and your drive and like your determination to kind of like make your situations work for you and creating opportunities for yourself and like taking advantage of no matter where you were, whether you liked the job or uh, or not, like you still took yeah. advantage of all the things that you could learn. Even like you said at Universal, you set up meetings, you know, when you were the, an intern with everybody on all the different levels and the A&R people and like you were like just learning and learning and just absorbing. And I think it's a really important lesson to take away for the listeners because some people, you know, they're in maybe not as cool of jobs as you had, but they're probably in a situation where they feel like they can't take anything from it or they don't really like it. But I always say like, no matter what you're doing professionally um, or as like a side job, like there's so many things that you can learn and take from that. And what oh, you do with those opportunities is really what matters most. Yeah, 1000%. You know, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's like, I don't look back often. I'm never present in those thoughts but when you do look back you realize you really hustled for everything <laughs> do you know what i mean mm -hmm. to put yourself in a position to at least make something happen do you know what i mean and it's it's a it's a good um, thing to have and i think it's a good thing to learn as well at the same time that and at and at the same time i'd even know what i was driving to at the same time i think i was just in the moment for every single one and just chase the process like i'm going to be here this is what i'm going to be cool i can run to it and i can go get it so it's yeah it's a great feeling yeah so now we can switch gears into art meets culture um yes. you shared a little bit with us about that and congrats on your journey to like getting there and creating this amazing um business Thank share you. with the listeners like a little bit about you know what do the events you put on look like i would say magical <laughs> but um <laughs> they, they the the events i what i've i mean initially you know shortly after complex i was doing events there but the events were always oh let me just do an event quick make money and that's that because i avoided trying to be the art guy um initially um, I, cause I was so fixated of trying to be like, uh, a brand partnership guy, a Karen civil, all the, all these, uh, Steve Stout, all these guys that, you know, that I look up to, but mm -hmm. I was a creator. I was creating experiences for people who never go to art galleries, never go to pop-ups because they would think, you know, it's out of their reach or it's a certain type of person that will go there and everything like that. But I was creating accessible um, event experiences from bringing people to get free drinks, from getting drink sponsors down, from partnering up with brands, like all these things. So when people come in there, they're having conversations with the artists. Cause when you go to a gallery, no one's having a conversation with Picasso or Basquiat or anybody, the, any of these things, you're still stuck in your thoughts and someone's interpreting right. um, what their art piece is and who they were you, like, people would have loved to hear, you know, more Basquiat interviews and stuff like that. But I'm giving you an opportunity to talk with the artists whilst they're here and embracing them whilst they're here and following them on Instagram and, you know, buying their art and having that connection. <laughs>
Hey Gangstar, sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this episode so far, stop what you're doing right now and share this podcast with your friends on social media or text it to a friend in your contacts. If you're a true Gangstar and want to uplift and empower other creatives like I know you do, you're going to want to take a few seconds to do this now. Go ahead and pick your phone back up or click that browser tab that you're playing this episode in, hit that pause button and share it now. Hello, what are you waiting for? All right. Thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to the show. So we're trying to create, well, these events, that these past 22, yeah, 22 events, they've all been about connecting new people to artists who are here today and, you know, getting them into that world early um, from a young age to an age now. Gotcha. So is it just like... Um you have like a venue and then you have like a group of artists and they have like their own space and showcase the, the their artwork or is there a certain format um, to your events? Yeah, I mean, whew, the cause it's changed cause only last year we changed it to Art Meets Culture. Initially um, for, the, for the last five years, it was Art Meets Music. So that was bringing at least minimum six artists. They bring six um, art pieces down. We put them on any section, first come, first serve, and then we'll pick six music acts. And that was based on my music backgrounds and all the artists that I met in music. And I said, look, I'm performing this show. So connecting fan bases was key um, at the time with the music artists that we had on. So, and that was literally inspired by, you know, Jay-Z's Picasso baby video um, with him, you know, performing around people in art gallery space. So I had to put that music element within there just to get that entertainment side in. And then we have a DJ in, you know, a popular DJ who's up and coming in radio and whether it's the BBC or represent or rinse FM in London. And literally we just bring them in. They start spinning some records and we just create like a nice vibe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And create something different for people to, you know, feel and see. So yeah, that's, that's the format, the former format, I would like to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Um, I've, I've been, I feel like a lot of people are creating stuff like that, which is really cool. I know yeah. out here um, there's like a thing that, called a uh, raw artist that kind of has like a yeah. cool vibe of different they do like everything like musicians and artists and jewelry makers like all types of artists which is really cool it's always a good vibe yeah. um and then even like uh one that's more tailored to like hip-hop culture called trap x art yes I know called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah um and so it's just really cool like hearing about how people are like creating these awesome spaces um so that people can showcase and also other people can like enjoy it in like a fun, you know, environment where it is a vibe, you know, I like yeah. that you have a DJ and um, I'm sure you bring a lot to the table that differentiates yourself from everybody else and creates something oh, really special. I take pride yeah. in the making it separate from uh, everybody else. Cause that's like, uh, cause once everybody sees something that works, they're going to gravitate towards and they're going to try and do something similar. So that's where, you know, you have to key in your innovation um, at all times just to make it better and, you know, give people a different experience. Yeah. What would you say is um, the one thing that you're most proud of that makes you different from everybody else? Um, I mean, my ideas and the fact that I've got a, a great marketing eye, not to toot my own horn. And I just think <laughs> about this understanding how the market moves and how to cultivate audiences. Um, Cause I'm always thinking about that sort of stuff. Cause as much as I am creative and I can create an experience for anybody and do cool things, 
I'm always like any events that I see, it could be rolling loud, wireless or anything. I'll be like, let me look at their marketing. I would study their whole entire marketing strategy and just look at every single detail. And I think a lot of people shy away from that because they'll do a post and then they'll leave it because they assume <laughs> that's what marketing is. Marketing for me is just like by the hour, every hour, a conversation needs to be had with someone in video, in, in imagery, in audio. There's, there has to be some communication there. So it's just about cultivating that and just building a strong community behind your brand. Because um, as much as, you know, I look for new audience members to come on board and believe in Art Meets Culture, I'm always focusing on nurturing, nurturing the current ones that I currently have and having conversation with them and seeing what I can go, if I can go the extra mile for them, you know what I mean? From by, by them investing in a ticket or buying a merch or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. When you're creating, you know, events, a lot of creating events, any event in any type of industry, it's important to create relationships with brands and even have like brand sponsorships. And obviously based off of everything you shared, you have a lot of experience with that. Um, And I know in um, your questionnaire you sent in, like you even got to work with like an energy drink brand and like, I'm sure you've had all different types of collaboration. So how do you go about getting those partnerships? Oh, wow. It's just a, a lot of emails is one. Um, I can tell you about one, which I'm proud of, uh, Relentless Energy Drink. They're, I think it's like, I think they're the same company as Monster. They're owned by Monster Energy. So mm. I was searching for the, I can't remember her name. It's funny how I forget her name when we've already worked with her. But I was chasing this lady who was the marketing manager for uh, Relentless Energy. And I chased her literally for a year and a half, emails, calls, emails, calls. Um, it got to a point where I then found out that um, that they had a pop-up store um, in, uh, in London, Oxford Circus, um, and they were just literally doing events. I was like, this is an opportunity for me to bring my event to this space. So I was like, okay, you've worked at Complex, you've worked in all these places, what would they do to pitch uh, this brand? Okay, cool, I'm going to do a pitch deck. So I ended up building a pitch deck, um, giving them an outline of what we was going to do, how we was going to do it. And then went to um, Relentless and just gave them the printout. Because if they weren't responding to emails, I'm sure they will, what's it called, view the <laughs> colorful deck that I have, you know, to give them. So they looked at it, they were like amazed by it. And they were like, look, let's, let's lock in some events. Um, so through pitching, calls, constant chasing, and how I even find, found her was just through LinkedIn, just searching her name or searching Relentless and just figuring out who was the manager there. And then just literally having a conversation with them and telling them what I can bring to the table, um, not only as the brand, but also had to pitch myself at the same time and the stuff that I've done in the past as well. So, um, yeah, that's how I, you know, got on with brands and also told them how we can add value to what they do because they wasn't looking at um, artists at the time they weren't looking at anything and it's always intriguing when I know that no brand is looking at art and then I tell them about the world of art and what it's doing and then you know they get intrigued and then they want to connect. What would you say is the biggest mistake that people do when approaching brands when they're trying to create these um, collaborations or sponsorships? Um, Not adding value to what the brand is doing because it's like 
people can go in, you can, you can go in selfishly by mistake because it's very exciting. Oh, I want to work for a brand and say, we can do this and we do that. Give you all the free drinks in the world. And then you get the free drinks and then the brand's like, okay, cool. What did we get out of this? No pictures, mm -hmm. no videos, no promo material, no anything. I always create a package for the brand and let them know, look, you give us this level of cash or you give us this level of product, you get X, Y, Z. So I want to make sure I add value to what they're doing and making sure they have the right content and the right pieces. So you kind of nurture that relationship a little bit better because I don't know, like in years to come, us doing that and adding value to them could push us onto the bigger project. So it's just focus. People should really focus on what kind of value can I add to this brand whilst working with them. Gotcha. Now I know, um, I'm sure some listeners have heard that too. Is there anything, any tips on figuring out how you can bring that value? Cause some people are like, well, I want to bring value or I want to like give back in some way, but I don't know exactly what they're looking for or how I can do that. Um, or can you give an example? Um, like for example, for your, a partnership with Relentless what was mm -hmm. your what did you pitch as far as like what they get in return um I literally pitched uh content um for them and put it <laughs> I didn't really had a video guy I didn't really have like a strong photographer at the time I just literally just um pitched to them this is what I can give you and then I had to source out all these things because sometimes I'll go with the my most wildest imagination even though it's, it, it sounds like very very random but I'll let you go with my thought of, of what can you provide them I kind of look for I, I usually look for what they don't have and when you know what they don't have that's when you can put in the value if that makes sense yeah no yeah. absolutely because it's because yeah sorry uh yeah because more, more 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 of the time it's like as big as brand as big as the brand is they're not doing certain things and you can spot that out quickly and it's just some of the basic things that they probably are not even thinking about on a day to day. Oh, hey, we can do uh, a single because you have a studio downstairs. Oh, hey, we can do like a photography shoot in here because you don't use it during the day. Do you know what I mean? So you kind of just have to mm -hmm. find those things and find those spots where, okay, you're here for eight hours during the day and you've got that space in the back that's not been used. Let's do a photo shoot at the back. Do you know what I mean? Which I did pitch to them as well. And we managed to do like a, a cool promo shoot around the logo and they literally love those images. So yeah, that kicked off um, stuff from there. And, you know, those are the things you probably should look for. Just missing holes. If you love the brand enough, you'll find what they're not doing in, in their whole entire business model for that year. You'll just literally pay attention to those things. Mm, that's good. That's really good. And I think the, you sharing the example is definitely really helpful to everyone listening. I'm sure everyone's writing some notes. And if you're not, you better be writing them notes. <laughs> um, you did like 22 events. Like what? That's a lot of freaking events. So I'm sure, you know, your first event is was way different than what your next event or your most recent event, um, mm -hmm. pre-COVID obviously <laughs> looked yeah. like. So tell us what the first event looked like compared to like what the most recent event looked like. The first event, it was such a, and I initially had a, an original venue, but I knew I couldn't afford that venue, which was funny enough, but 
I was talking to a number of friends to say, like, oh, could you, you know, spot me some cash? This event's going to be massive. So I'm trying to convince people of a first-time event at that time. And they're like, Ada, you do music. Since when do you do events? So I managed to get some cash for it. But that venue, um, I think, no, the venue closed. Yeah, I just remember now the venue closed because they're not there no more. It was an amazing upstairs, downstairs gallery, which I initially wanted. And then um, obviously I was a little bit frustrated at the time. And then um, one of my friends said, said to me, oh, there's, there's um, a venue um, around your area. You know, you should go check it out. And it was this big arch, um, what do I call it, arches? You know, like a, uh, where they like do mechanics works. I'm not sure if you have like arches in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like a big archway venue, um, but it was just rough dirty um it was a bar it was a little bit gritty and I was like this is perfect let's just go <laughs> so then I literally told the guy um who I was and this these are the sort of events I, I wanted to do he was like mate I'm looking for a, an art event to work with he was like I'll give you the venue for free and I was like for free <laughs> so oh, wow. he was like well you can be like a resident here so which was amazing for me hence why I scaled with so many events because it, it was literally free so um, we, my, one of my best friends, he created the poster for me. Um, the first few posts, he's created quite a few posters for me. And, um, you know, I connected with a number of artists via Instagram, you know, so I had one, one girl fly from Belgium who was an artist from there. She flew down and I was like, people are flying down from Belgium to, you know, exhibit their work. So I was using that as a, as a strong um, selling tool. Um, I, booked radio interviews like I was an artist but that was just me looking at how do people promote themselves I was on radio interviews then and then literally the event day came and then the venue wasn't clean in the in the morning I was like the venue's not Mm. clean you guys need to clean it what's going on why is it not clean they managed to clean it in the end but I was literally having you know anxiety at the time obviously I booked my music artist my DJ my host but in my brain, I was like, there's only going to be about 10 people showing up to this event. And it's just going to be a little bit of a shit show. But, you know, I kept calm. And it ended up being about 100 people showing up to the first event, which was awesome. solid. And I was just, like, amazed um, by it. And um, that literally kicked off and spiraled the, the the event run. We did an event every two months. Um and it's good that it's free because that takes a, a, a large cost out of everything. So what I was paying was the host at the time, the DJ. If people need the travel expenses sorted, we'll pay that as well. Um, so we, I did that for a number of years. And um, obviously now we're in COVID time. <laughs> um, <laughs> last year, last year, February, I initially was going to do an event, but... Um, the venue and I wasn't seeing eye to eye um, at the time. He was also going to give the venue for for free, but the percentage and the splits for certain things I wasn't happy about. So I said, you know what? Let me leave events for a year. Um, I've done 20, 20, well, 20 events at the time. No, 20, 21 events at the time. And so I, I'm happy to take a break from doing events for, for at least a year. March comes, COVID hits, and then we're in this um, amazing lockdown, as the world is. And then 
people were asking me, are you going to do an event? So I was like, let's, yeah, let's do like a virtual event. I'm not a fan of virtual events, but I think I understood what it could do for the artists um, coming on a virtual event because they get to connect with more artists around the world. Whereas I was focused on London. They were focused, everybody was just London-based, London-based or coming from Europe or anything like that. But with the virtual event we did last year, it was literally about connecting people around the world and connecting with various eyes. And it's actually seeing works that we've never seen before in a virtual space. So it was a great experience. So that was, first event was a hundred people. Um, this one, the virtual ex experience that we had was like over a thousand people. So it was, it was quite good. Wow. It's a great, a great progression from event <laughs> one to the event that we did last year. Wow. What would you say is like, I mean, since out of the 22 events, like I said, you've learned so much. Is What would you say is like the biggest lesson you learned about planning events uh, like that? Well, I mean, there's quite a few. I mean, I took a, an event course last year just to refine the skills just a little bit because I knew I'm, I'm missing, but I'm probably missing a lot of things in terms of how to do an event uh, appropriately. Insurance was one. I never did had any insurance for any event. So, <laughs> so that was a big one and I've got away with you know breaking stuff and <laughs> that could have been um wow. insurance so lucky me um but that insurance having insurance is a key thing um having the right team which you know as much as I do this myself I've I've always searched for the the right team to work around you know I've got amazing photographers that I work with, amazing videographers I work with, amazing hosts who have hosted the show as well. But the day-to-day -day team and the people who, you know, can be a part of the Art Meets Culture brand, I'm always looking for the right ones who kind of believe it a little bit blindly, do you know what I mean, like me, which is very difficult because I'm the only one who could probably believe it blindly. But, you know, having a team is, you know, something that's just been a little bit of a challenge but um, I've managed over the years what does your team currently look like the team is just me myself and I you know my, my mm. girlfriend you know chimes in when when she wants to when I wanted to listen about some brand ideas or talk about logos or talk <laughs> about promo material talk about the podcast as well and stuff like that like all those so it's, it's me currently I mean I wouldn't I mean I do have my design my designer um my best friend is also you know a designer as well so there is there is a team it's just not traditional assistant marketer social media guy everything i'm literally all these people in one and you know i just you know work and learn skills that i don't have or if i'm searching for a person who has that skill and they tell me two thousand a month i'll be like okay cool i'm gonna learn this and i'll <laughs> i'll do, do it with myself so, <laughs> Which has been fun because what it's going to do is it's going to help me look for the right talent um, properly because um, I've done the majority of myself. Yeah, um, it's kind of like how me and my husband with our branding agency that we own, uh, we did like everything. So that's been very helpful when hiring like a team and subcontractors and other designers and things because it's like you know how to do everything yeah. um and that way you you don't have that experience to know what's good and what's not and like what's right and what's wrong um of course like for everybody listening it's good to focus on your strengths and you can hire people 
um, yeah. to do the things that you can't do or don't know how to do. Um, but it is also good to at least know like a high level of all the different um, areas of your business. So that when you do bring on a team, you know, you can manage them well and your, your brand and business can continue to grow successfully. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, okay, this sounds really cool. Like I've had an idea like this where I wanted to throw a certain type of event. Now, how does this business model make money? Ooh, the cachet side. <laughs> so, I mean, various levels we have made money and one selling art, you know, taking a percentage of the art pieces that are sold on there. Uh, ticket sales is one. If um, I'm, I am working with a venue who um, have uh, a bar, sometimes you can negotiate certain percentages with them by the amount of people that you're bringing in. Um, merchandise is also a good one as well. So if people are interested in merch or anything like that, you know, you can package that within a ticket or anything like that. So those are like the key monetary areas um, that I've worked with in the past. Um, I'm changing a few things now in terms of how I'm gonna make money for the next set of events. Um, obviously working around COVID and everything like that, but once there's gonna be events where it has loads of people again, then we know exactly how we're going to monetize it even better. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Um, was it hard making that pivot um, with COVID and everything? Or did you find a way that kind of made it work for you? Or are you kind of just kind of waiting it out? Um, I mean, I just, I, I've always had a plan to go digital. Because um, it was literally events, 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 events. I was like, I want to do content. And I, I love sitting, watching complex content. Um, hypebeast content or Netflix mm -hmm. as we know anything that just tells a story about you know an entrepreneur um, a business owner um, I've been watching this uh, I forgot his name it's this guy he goes around America and he's going through like houses and talking about this is a bedroom this wood floor is made from um, Amazonian trees like he'll go in depth with that and I was like we need to do something where it's content driven so um, mainly inspired by Maverick Carr, one of LeBron James's business partners. Um, he runs a media agency and they do a lot of content. And I was like, this is what I wanna do next. I wanna do documentaries. I wanna do storytelling content pieces. I always wanna have my own series, which I've just started on YouTube called The Art Review, where I'm talking about various art pieces on Instagram and telling people, oh, this person chose to draw this or the colors here, or they're inspired by this. And that that is what I've always tried to drive to. So lucky enough, last year, which is a, which is an insane year, because I even got a, because even when you were putting up your story and you know that hater wrote what they wrote, and that literally just made me think about the hater that wrote me a message last year. And they were just like, karma's a bitch. And I knew who it was from. <clears throat> and I'll never give them glory on anything that I do podcast-wise. Mm. Um, but I think that was in a sense of events are fucked now. You can't do nothing. And I'm like, if only you knew that my plan <laughs> was always to go digital. This message doesn't even rattle me in the sense because 
I'm, I worked for Complex and I knew what they're about, digital content, driving youth culture and everything like that. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to be doing that for art. So that's when I kicked off my podcast, um, it's Culture Podcast. And I literally was recording on Zoom five episodes a day. Like, I was like, episode, so, episode, uh, episode, episode, episode. <laughs> like, but I did that for like four days straight. And my missus was just like, she was like, you need to rest. Like, what are you doing? I said, no, we got, we got to keep going. But obviously I was triggered by silly comments and stuff like that. But I literally was, I'm pushing towards more of a digital curator producer side of things. Events will come back. Like I'm planning a, a massive event now, but I'm detailing it a little bit different. Hence why I took the course last year, but going mm-hmm. into that media side um, and Luckily, you know, I've been having conversations with people at the BBC, Sony and Universal, and they're intrigued heavily by what I'm planning next. And that's where I'm looking to shift it. So that's one part. And then there's the whole, you know, Rich Paul side of things um, where he deals with the sports agent, that's LeBron James agent. And, you know, I've been playing with the idea about managing people in art for a while. and based on what I've learned at Complex with brand partnerships, Universal Music, running a label, um, helping music videos and doing all this stuff. Uh, you know, I'm looking to get into, you know, artist management real soon. I just need to, one, figure out the name and just, you know, create a good structure around that. But it, COVID hasn't really halted me on anything. You know I mean? If anything, it's just said, you need to accelerate this content because everyone's at home now. Cause when they lift off everything, <laughs> everybody's going to be partying and not looking at content. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just made me more efficient at that. You know, I even ordered my lapel mic yesterday. So my YouTube content's a little bit better. So yeah, I've, I'm shifting nice. into stronger, stronger spaces now. That's awesome. So we have a lot of stuff to look forward um, from you very yeah. soon with all the, the improvements and things. Yeah. I do have one last question um, that I like to ask everybody. Um, what would you say is your biggest mistake that you made in your business and how did you grow from it? I feel like a lot of businesses, obviously you, you have lots of mistakes, but yeah. I feel like there's usually like one or two that really stand out. Um, and I think our listeners can really learn from that. Um, I mean, out of the thousand mistakes, probably <laughs> millions, I don't even know, but I, you know, I was, I, I never, I never had my business head on a lot of the time, you know, I've brought people into, you know, art meets music at the time, you know, gave dumb percentages, <laughs> um, oh, because I didn't, I didn't know how things worked at the time. But it was just having that naivety on business, which was the, the thing that hampered me a lot. But not that people saw, it was just a little, it was just very behind the scenes, but I felt it a lot where it's just like, you're bringing in people who don't understand the, the brand, you're bringing in people who don't understand the creative. And it's that having that naivety probably halted certain parts, but the reason why people didn't see it because it was so behind the scenes and because I pivoted of changing, you know, things behind the scenes and, you know, adapting to the growth of what the brand was going to become that helped, but I'm happy it wasn't out in the public. Oh, he did this, he did that. But 
having that naivety in business is one thing that what is it is a regret or a, a mistake but yeah a, a mistake <laughs> of mine but now i'm like literally reading every book possible watching every business podcast possible if i have to go into a clubhouse room of business heads and just hear stuff and head key details talking to more businesses um talking to more mentors like every day i'm literally talking to at least one or two mentors um even if it's the same question even if it's giving them a voice note i say i'll ask them something and they'll give me the, a quick answer but it's just making sure that my mind is better at business and so i can execute it properly and i think you know that happened like three three years ago now I'm more efficient than ever i don't make moves that don't make sense because i will literally just write the pros write the cons and make a decision from there and then mm. yeah so like having business naivety is one of my mistakes <laughs> yeah. no that's good and i think you know we everybody has that in the beginning and even throughout like no one knows like everything and you're always continuously growing and learning and i love that you are taking you know initiative to learn um constantly whether it's getting a course and investing in yourself in that way having mentors hopping in um different conversations like on clubhouse or different rooms and topics that you're not normally you know hopping into or the business ones like everybody listening you you can't just like stay in one zone, like your art and creation mode, you know, yeah. like that's obviously like our happy place, but you also have to expand and network and learn um, from people in business and just the different industries and see what you can learn and take to help you grow yours. So I love that you shared that because it's definitely, um, I think we all can relate to having, yeah. being naive in the beginning, you know, oh, 100%. just kind of going in and doing it. Yeah, and it's like I tell you this for free. I love business now. I don't know. I've always had a. I did a, a business course like years ago in in um, before I went in high school, before I went into college, and I was always intrigued by it. But now it's just like I want to know why this person did this business decision. Why did they take this percentage? I need to know every single detail now, and it helps with what I'm doing next and how I'm going to get into my next stage as well. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, forever learning. That's awesome. What would you have? Um, do you have any like last bit of parting tips or advice that you want to share with the Gangstar listeners? Yeah, I mean, patience is one. I think I'm reading a book called um, Chop Wood and Carry Water. That's what I'm reading. Um, mm. I would give the guy's name, but I'll talk around it. But basically that book, is literally about surrendering the outcome. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find the name of the guy. Yeah, Joshua, the audible book is covering his last name, but chop wood, carry water, if anybody wants to search <laughs> that. So that, that book is basically what that has taught me and you know, hopefully listeners can go and check that out. It's literally surrendering the outcome. I know that we all want to be successful as 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 can be um you know where it be dream car dream house dream husband dream wife everything like that but we may not even be ready for these things because if it's given to us tomorrow that we're begging for it and we're not ready for it we're going to tarnish it all um at the time so 
it's about surrendering, knowing that you want that, but surrendering it, but just living day by day and just in, in installing the skills that you need. So when it does come, you end up being ready. So um, I just finished that audio book. It was literally two hours. I'm actually going to get the physical book so I can read it and take notes. But it's taught me just to be a l- much more patient in terms of my approach and what I want to do. I'm happy with a 10 year, 20 year plan on anything that I'm doing because literally it's just every day. Can I learn the skills to be much better because it will, it will push you to something greater. So yeah, taking it day by day, chopping wood and carrying water. Mm, I love that. Such a good gold nugget. And I'll definitely have to check out that book. Um, it sounds like a, a really good one. Awesome. Um, quick read, but it's, it's, it's literally spot on. Sweet. Well, Ade, thank you so much for your time and sharing thank your you. journey and your wisdom and experience. Um, everybody listening, as always, I'll have everything in the show notes. So make sure you go follow him. Make sure you check out all his content and everything that he's doing. Um, and until next time. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, listen to a couple more episodes and share it with a fellow Gangstar creative. I would also be forever grateful if you left a review letting me know what you loved and what you'd like to hear more of. And as a thank you for leaving me a review, I'll gift you both my 10 ways to create a Gangstar brand PDF and five ways to boost your online sales PDFs. Just screenshot your review and DM me the picture on Instagram at Devonna Stimson and I'll send it right over to you. Until next time, cheers to annihilating the status quo of the starving artist.